Aloha, everyone. Welcome back to the Oahu Church of Christ. I'm really thankful for the Varus Lums reminding us of the sacrifice of so many people who've given up their lives so that we could experience freedom in our great country. Uh, this morning, thank you for letting me be in your home. Thank you for uh, letting me be in your mobile device, wherever you might be connecting, whether it be here in Hawaii or whether it be anywhere in the world. It's amazing how technology has connected us these days and how we're doing things online. If you're new, you're a special, a special friend today. Thank you for connecting with us. Could you do me a favor? Uh, we normally meet in person, but nowadays we're uh, doing everything on a remote level. Could you, could you fill out that connection card that you'll find at the bottom of the YouTube page there? Uh, just so that we can stay connected. We'd love to be able to help and support your spiritual journey uh, any way that we can. Amen? Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, today we're going to end our series on uncertain. We've been talking about this the last several weeks. We live in very uncertain times. Even though we're ending this series, uh, surely we're, we're, we're going to continue talking about topics that are relevant to our day in age. Last week, I talked about how to stay calm during a crisis, part one. Today is going to be part two. Last week, I covered different elements that we find in the, the book of Philippians and the Apostle Paul and how he penned for us what is it going to take, his prescription for us to stay calm. Number one, control belongs to God. You and I were never meant to be in control. We might think we're in control but we were never meant to be in control. Number two, ask God for help. In other words, pray for everything. That's how we can absolutely achieve calmness. Number three is leave your worries with him. And I'm gonna share about that later in my lesson today, but God actually wants us to, to, to give him our burdens and he'll exchange it for his peace. It's an amazing exchange. And then lastly, for us to meditate on good things. We've got to be able to monitor our minds. If you're going to achieve and, and experience calmness in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a challenge, you're going to have to make sure you monitor what you think about. And the Bible talks about these things. And it's so important for us to be able to do these things in our life. Why? Why? It's because all of us need comfort and peace and security in our lives. I mean, raise your hand if you need some comfort or peace in your life. You can raise your hand right there. I know I need it, and I believe many of us need it today. Stress is very, very real. Worry, anxiety, and stress are more viral than even a virus is today. Everyone is being infected, and the levels of our stress and anxiety are continuing to rise. People are anxious about a lot of things today. Our political landscape in our country, our economy, Finances, their personal finances. Here in Hawaii, the unemployment rate has, has hovered between 30 and 40%. It's shocking. People are anxious about their health, whether they're going to get this virus or not. The welfare of their kids. People are anxious and stressful. They're stressful about the future. What's going to happen in the future? Stress is real. It's here. It's, it's, it's very much part of our world today. But as Christians, the people of faith, here's the thing. We've got the tools. God actually gives us the tools to attack 
stress, and anxiety in our lives. We don't have to give in to these emotions and fears and and challenges. We can actually use God's weapons of faith and attack stress and anxiety in our lives. How do we do that? Well, we, we, we practice these holy habits. We practice control belongs to God. We practice asking God to help us. We practice leaving our worries with him. We practice meditating on good things. Let's go ahead and read Philippians chapter four, okay? Hey, I want you to sit up in your chair right now. I want you to read with me. Sit up in your chair wherever you are and let's read this verse together. And as we read it, I want, it to, I want you to embrace it. I want you to, to believe it even more. But let's read verse six and seven. And it reads, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You begin and believe that a little bit more. I tell you, when we read and when we say scriptures and when we hear it, it just, it starts to marinate in our very soul and it can help us. It can help us even uh, get healed and even achieve calmness. Now we got to remember that the apostle Paul was penning this most likely when he was in house arrest. The latter part of his life, he was awaiting trial before Nero He was quarantined in prison. That's where Paul was at this point. But here's the thing. People, they could take away his freedom, but they couldn't take away his Christ. Think about that. That's how Paul stayed rejoicing in God. Even though his his personal freedoms were eliminated, they couldn't take away his Christ. And that's true for you, and that's true for me. If we're going through any kind of challenges and life stretches us and squashes us, guess what? People can't take away our Christ. They might take away other things in our life, but they can't take away Christ. And if you and I have Christ in our life, the center of our very being, then we're going to do fine. We're going to do fine. Something I mentioned last week, I think is really key. True peace is not the absence of crisis, but the presence of Christ in your crisis. You and I are going to have stress in our lives. That is just part of what's called life. It's very real. We're going to, we're going to face challenge in our life. And so true peace is not the absence of that crisis, but true peace is, is, is reached when Christ is in our crisis. Think about that, guys. Is Christ in your crisis? Are you centering God and, and f- being grounded on him? I think what's happening today, honestly, brothers and sisters, and what's being exposed is not just everything that's going on in the world. I think on a personal level, what's being exposed is where our foundation really rests on. Where our foundation is, whether we're really grounded on God or not. And the exposure is where our security really lies and where our security is grounded on. This is how Paul kept his head in all situations. Christ was the center of his life. Christ knew that control belonged to God. He knew that. Paul did. Even though Paul's life was seemingly bad, control was still in God's hands. Now, what do we do as Christians that's different than most people in the world? What we do and what God calls us to do is to pray. Pray. 
That's the major difference we have. We can pray about everything. We can pray about anything. This is the key for you and for me. You're going to have to look this up, but I wanted to introduce you to a part of your brain, part of our brain, the amygdala. And uh, this is part of the limbic system. It's amazing if you do any kind of brain study and what the, the brain does. It's also known as the reptilian system because reptiles even have this part of the brain. And this part of our brain is absolutely necessary. We wouldn't be surviving uh, if, if we didn't have this part of our brain. And the amygdala is responsible for our emotion. Uh, more in the area of uh, fear, anxiety, and even depression. Uh, look at it as more of a, a home security system, a fire alarm. The amygdala is meant to protect us. And so here's how it works. So when, when you or I actually uh, sense any kind of danger or any kind of uh, scary things or frightening things or unpleasant feelings or, or anything negative like that, then what happens is that our amygdala actually engages the rest of our brain, sends out different hormones, and, and puts the rest of our brain on like this emergency all points bulletin. It's like a fire alarm to, uh, to our, our very body. It's meant to protect us. It's meant to uh, uh, help us survive. It's responsible for the, the flight, the fight, the, the fright type of responses that people might have. And so when you and I are, are, are starting to be filled with stress and anxiety and negative thoughts and things like that, guess what? Our body actually triggers different things in our, in our body. And we'll have classic, classic responses when we're stressed, when we're worried, when we're full of anxiety, things like we get sweaty palms. You ever get really, really nervous? You start having sweaty palms. And this is what the amygdala does. It triggers these different things. Our, our blood pressure increases. We start breathing a little bit more rapidly. You know, when you get high, high strung and anxiety or worry, you get insomnia, you, you have trouble sleeping. That's because your brain is just constantly on. This alarm system is just continuing to go off. It's like a car alarm that just never stops. It's always on. There's a burst of adrenaline that, that goes through your muscles. You become faster. You become stronger. You become a person who is trying to honestly survive because you sense danger. You sense something around you is not right. And it's putting you in a dangerous situation. Your pupils can dilate. Even your digestion starts acting up. You ever feel like you gotta go, you gotta go to the bathroom when you get nervous? Feel like your stomach's churning, something's going on? That's part of your amygdala, triggering the rest of your brain, sending out different hormones. It's meant to protect you, it's meant to protect me. But here's the challenge, guys. If our amygdala, amygdala, plural, is constantly on and constantly hyper super sensitive, then we leave these, these, these limited concerns and worries in our life and we get, we get into the toxic levels of anxiety. If you can imagine your alarm system always being on. But here's the thing, your amygdala could absolutely be triggered just by your thoughts, just by what you think what you entertain, 
you could start just piling on worry and anxiety and so forth. And there might not be any physical danger around you, but it's amazing. And this is where people get into to mental health issues. They get challenged with their thinking. It's important for us to understand how our body even responds when we're triggered. But here's the good news, guys. The God who made the amygdala, the God who made you and me, since he made us, he absolutely knows how to calm us down. He knows how to, how to dampen the, the triggering. He, not, he knows how to, how to lessen that. And he gives us clues through his Bible, through the Holy Spirit's power, through the modeling of Jesus Christ. God knows how we operate. There are lots of studies when it comes to how prayer affects our brain. It's called neurotheology. You're going to have to look that up. But prayer, this is what prayer does. Prayer actually decreases the activity in our limbic system. It muffles it. It reduces it. So our amygdala actually is is dampened and shut off when you and I pray. They've got brain scans of, of different people when they meditate in prayer. And it's amazing what they show how the brain actually changes. And when you pray, it actually stimulates different parts of your brain that make us happier and healthier. I mean, doesn't that want you to, doesn't that make you want to pray more? If you knew that a path to happiness and a healthier quality of life is through prayer, there are a lot of benefits to prayer. Prayer makes us happier. It increases our peace of mind. It reduces stress, negative emotions, so you can feel at peace with yourself and others. Prayer is like the fountain of youth. When you pray more and pray more diligently and consistently to God, you could actually feel more youthful. It does amazing things to our brain. But here's the thing. Studies have shown that if people just casually pray, we're talking five minutes or less a day, there's actually no significant change in the brain. How convicting is that? If you, if you just pray casually, only a few minutes a day, then there may not be any changes going on in your brain health because of prayer. You've got to pray more than that every day if you want your brain to actually start changing. So if you pray regularly, then you're going to see benefits in your life. You're going you're to feel it. You're going to sense it because we were made for prayer. Sim- simply put, when you pray, prayer, prayer diminishes the, the unhealthy parts of our brain and increases the healthier parts of our brain activity that makes us healthier and happier. People who pray consistently are happier and they're healthier in life. Isn't that amazing? And, and you know, I can do this for free. We could obtain this for free. It's amazing how God has made us because we're spiritual beings. We're meant to go to him. We're meant to walk with him. God made us so he knows exactly how we are meant to operate. And this is how we can attack negativity. This is how we can attack stress in our lives. It's through prayer. It's through prayer. And so when you and I are living 
uh, on our own energy, on our own effort, and we're not going to God and depending on him through prayer, guess what? We're going we're gonna to lock up more in our lives. We're going to burn out more in our lives. We're going to fall flat on our face because we're relying on our own fuel, on our own gasoline, and we're not relying on God's spiritual energy in our life. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. The difference between doing our best and God doing his best, that's where prayer comes in. God can do a whole lot more when we start praying to him. Amen. You know, I wanna, I wanna reference a story that really has stood out for me in, in Luke chapter 18, verse 35 through 43. But it's a story of a, a blind man who was begging on the, the roadside and he heard that Jesus was passing by and he called out a few times, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And there were people around him that were discrediting him, but Jesus paid attention. Jesus heard him. And Jesus had this man brought over to him. And Jesus asked this incredible question. This is an incredible question. And I wanted to bring this up because I really believe it's something that could help you and for me. But you know, the the question that Jesus asked this blind man, he simply asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man simply goes, Lord, I, I want to see. Almost like an obvious answer. And I, I like to think that Jesus already knew what he was going to ask or request. But maybe Jesus just wanted him to say it. Maybe Jesus wanted him to figure out what did he really want? What did he really want? from God. And Jesus healed him. His faith healed him and he was able to see. I want you to imagine here for a moment, wherever you are, maybe you're sitting on your couch, you're sitting in a chair. I don't know where you are, maybe in your car. But I I want you to imagine Jesus just coming up to you. Maybe he he sits down right next to you on your couch. And he looks he looks right over to you and maybe you're going through some kind of spiritual blindness in your life not just physically, but there's something, there's something that's really on your heart that's burdened you, that's an anxiety. And Jesus looks at you and he asks you this question. What do you want me to do for you? How would you answer that? What do you want God to do for you? I don't know, type it in the chat. Put it down there. What do you want God to really do for you? How would you answer that? And you go, you go to God pleading. You go to God begging him to do something that you're not capable of doing. But what would you want Jesus to do for you? Is it to have your sins forgiven? Is it to heal your marriage? Is it to restore a relationship? Is it to have strength in resisting temptation? Is it restored joy? Is it a a job? Is it restored finances? Is it income? I don't know what it is for you. But what would you want Jesus to do for you? If he asked you that question, how would you answer that? What would you tell him? What would you say? Don't be shy. 
God will either answer no, slow, or go. Those are the three answers he gives us when we pray. No, slow, or go. But those are answers. And here's the thing. When God answers you, thank him. Thank him. Paul says, go to God with thanksgiving. When you pray and petition him with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And he'll answer us, no, slow, or go. And when he does answer you and me, just we need to thank him. Gratitude is one of those remedies that's going to help us with depression. Gratitude helps to boost immune systems in our body. It's amazing when, when you and I have an attitude of gratitude, how our life is so different. The quality of our life is so different. When we take inventory of how many blessings we have in our life, it completely turns the outlook of our life so different. We see the jar half full now, not half empty. And so when God answers your prayer, thank him. And don't lose hope. Don't lose hope at all. See, we need to be, we need to be worshipers instead of worriers. We need to be people who worship God instead of worry in the midst of God. See, people who are worriers, and I mentioned last week, they're, they're, they're more involved in the what if. They're more mentally tangled up with, well, what if this doesn't work? Then this is going to happen, and, and this, won't, this won't occur. So uh, I'm going to respond this way. And it's, it's, it's so negative. It's so doomsday. It's so pessimistic. Whereas worshipers, they don't say what if. Worshipers say, even if this happens, I will still trust God. Even if my prayer doesn't get answered the way I want it to happen, I will still trust God. And you know, you, you know when you become a worshiper of God is when you start trading your what ifs for even ifs. That you have this ability to surrender, surrender your life over to God and, and it's not dependent on the circumstances that happen in your life, but you are a person that's deeply rooted and you know that even if my prayer doesn't get answered the way that I wanted it to, I still will trust in God. I still will believe in him. Even if I don't get healed of blindness, I'll still trust God. Even if this doesn't work out, I will still trust God. I want us to remember the Apostle Paul's life. Not every life in the Bible ended in a happy way. In many ways, many of the, the Bible characters we read about in the scriptures, their lives did not end in comfort. It didn't end with, with lots of fanfare. You think of the Apostle Paul's life. His life ended. He was beheaded for his faith. You think of Jesus' life in Matthew chapter 26 through 36. The Bible says that he was, he, was, he was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus was filled with the most angst and, and, and worry and concerns. I mean, he was going to die for you and for me and all the human race, and yet Jesus still didn't sin. That's amazing to me. And his life did not end in a happy way. And yet from God's perspective, it was the best outcome because through his death and his sacrifice for you and for me, 
we could have now access to a relationship with God that we never had before. It's only through Jesus that we now have access to our heavenly Father. Your life on earth may not turn out the way that you want it to be, but this is the real question for you and for me. Will I still trust God? Will I still trust God? Will you still trust God if you don't get that job? You don't get that girlfriend, you don't get that boyfriend, you don't get that spouse, you don't get that income, you don't get that possession, you don't get this, you don't get that. Will you still trust God? Because you're not really living for those things, right? When you and I figure out who our greatest security is, then that's when we'll experience a peace that passes all understanding. We'll experience a peace that is not of this world. Guys, how how do we stay calm during crisis? Control belongs to God. You got to ask God for help. The book of Philippians helps us to understand that. How do I leave my worries with him? How do I make this trade with God? There's a passage that I want to highlight in 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Okay? Cast it. Cast, cast your anxiety to the cross. Bring it to Jesus Christ. Don't, don't carry all your burdens. Now, we got to remember, Peter was a fisherman. He understood what casting was. I don't think he was necessarily fishing this way, casting and then reeling it back. That's what fishermen do. I think Jesus doesn't want us to cast and then reel back our problems, right? He doesn't want us to cast it out to him and then, hey, let me, let me take it back. No, these fishermen, they would, they would throw their nets. They would, they would toss their nets from this side of the boat to the other side of the boat. And there's one story where Jesus suggested to Peter, hey, you know, I know your, your nets are empty. Throw it on the other side of the boat. And Peter did and brought it up and it was full. Amazing how when we are quicker in learning from Jesus and just listen to him, then things may happen more fruitful in our life. But Peter was saying to us here, you've got to cast. Casting means throw, throw upon, okay? We've got, we got to throw upon God all of our anxiety, because he cares for us. And this is where we've got we to figure out who's doing all the caring with the burdens and the anxiety. Are you, are you throwing your anxiety to God or are you carrying it with you? Are you carrying your burdens around with you? Now, if you're not praying consistently, then I know you're, just, you're carrying your burdens. You're, you're carrying it on your own strength and it, it's not going to be healthy for you. God is asking us to cast all our anxiety upon us. Hey, I've got something here, okay? These are throw pillows. So I guess they're meant to be thrown around, all right? So let's say, let's say these, this is your, these are your problems, okay? So what does Jesus want us to do? He wants us to throw, throw upon him, throw our problems, and then he's gonna give us back his, his peace, Okay? I got a few more of these, all right? 
All right, let's, let's say these, this is your, your worries, all right? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it this way now. Cast it, cast it on Jesus. Throw it, just, just throw it upon him. Don't, don't want it back. Don't ask for Jesus to give it back to you, but throw it upon him. You throw him your worries, and he's going to give you his peace. This is what God wants us to be able to do, guys. He wants us to throw throw our anxiety upon him, throw our problems on him. Jesus can handle it. But this is something that you and I have to do constantly when we feel stressed, when we are going through challenges in our lives. He wants us to throw it upon him. And if we do that, what does it say in Philippians 4 verse 7? And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's like when that happens, you have like a soldier guarding your emotions and your thought life, your heart and your mind. You are, you are thinking on positive things. You're guarding what, what goes on in your thinking, goes on in your mind. The battle is in your brain. And what you fill up with your mind is going to determine the amount of your stress level. If you fill up your mind with lots of negativity and lots of pessimism, then guess what? It's not going to lead to very positive results. And the Bible is teaching us what needs to happen. We've got to leave our worries with God if we want to experience calmness in crisis. And then in Philippians chapter 4, eight, chapter four verse 8, Paul tells us we've got to meditate on good things. Look at this. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul gives us eight different filters for our mind right here. Better than a Brita filter. He gives us scriptural filters for our mind. There's got to be a mental toughness that you develop in your Christian life of what you allow in your life and what you keep out of your life. You gotta have, you gotta be like a bouncer for your brain, okay? Check the ID. Under 21, no entry. You gotta kick out the negativity. You gotta kick out the pessimism. You gotta kick out things that are, that are going to not be healthy for you. There has to be a no vacancy sign on your brain. You can't lease out or rent out your brain to the things that are gonna bring you down and then our opposition to what God wants you to fill your brain with. I think before you allow certain thoughts to come into your life, you got to ask yourself the question, is this the line of thinking that I want to go down? Is this what I really want to be able to entertain? You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sells itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. See, Here's your job. You, you need to be an air traffic controller to your mental airport. That is your job. You are in charge of your thought life. You are in charge of what you allow. Stop being hospitable to negativity. Stop being hospitable to faithlessness. Don't entertain it. When it comes knocking on your door, don't invite it in. Don't let it sit on your couch. Don't let it sleep over in your guest room. Kick it out. Garbage in, garbage out. God gives us filters. You know, social media is big today. 
I want to encourage us to limit our social media when it comes to just being on it. Uh, studies done, it's, it's tied to depression and anxiety. Social media, when, when uh, consumed uh, in, in unhealthy amounts, it could absolutely make you restless and super anxious. Even the daily news. Uh, at times, the daily news is so depressing in what's going on in the world. Uh, the news is bad news for the most part. They need to put the good news on, on the 10 o'clock news. But even that, you got to limit. It can be depressing. Here's the checklist that the, the Bible gives us, okay? Is it true? Is it correct? And you've got to govern yourself. You, you've got you've to be accountable to God with your own mind. Is it just? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it clean? Is it uncontaminated? Is it lovely? Is there beauty of holiness? Is it virtuous? The, these are the things that God wants us to marinate our minds with, to meditate on good things. If you want your stress levels to be under check. You know, who, who, this, who does this describe? This describes Jesus. Here, here's where we're winding down, guys. It describes Jesus Christ. All these qualities describe him to a T. And the Bible actually describes Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And that's a clue for you and for me. If we want peace in our lives, peace that passes all understanding, then, then we've got to focus on Jesus Christ. He's got to be the center of our lives. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4 says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord is rock eternal. What an incredible passage. The Bible's promise here is that perfect peace will be given to him whose mind is steadfast and centered on God. This all makes sense, doesn't it? If you and I want peace in our lives, if we want calmness, the true calmness, the true peace, then we've got to center our lives on Jesus and if we do that, look what happens. Philippians 4, 9, whatever you've learned or, or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Did you notice that? It's not the peace that God gives us, but now he is the God of peace. If you want peace and the peace of God in your life, then the answer is, you and I have to center our life on God. It's that simple and it's that, that powerful when we fellowship with God. And guys, I know the last couple of weeks as we've talked about how to, how to stay calm during a crisis, I want to remind you that control belongs to God. You and I were never meant to take control because we're not. We've got to be able to ask God for help. Basically, pray for everything. Leave your worries with God. Don't take it back. Don't throw it to him and then want it back. Leave it with him. He can absolutely take care of it and guide you through victoriously. And then we've got to meditate on good things. Filter your brain. Filter your life. I want to do something here as we close. And I want you to participate with me, okay? I want, us, I want you to imagine, okay, Jesus is there with you. 
and he's sitting next to you on your couch. He's sitting there with you in your chair. And he's looking at you, and he, he simply turns to you, and he asks you that question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do? And how would you answer him? What's your biggest burden in life right now? What's your biggest anxiety? What's your biggest problem? You know, type it in. Type it in the chat so that the, the moderators can pray for you. But I want us to just take some time here just to pray together. And I want you to be able to just bow your head and connect with God in the way that you connect with God. And again, I want you to think about your biggest challenge. Is it finances? Is it health? Is it job? Is it education? Is it kids? Is it a relationship? And we're going to just be silent for a few moments, and then I'm going to end this in prayer. So take your time, bow your heads, and let's pray in silence for several seconds as we communicate with God. Our dear Lord, it's so appropriate for us to go to you in prayer because when we pray, we connect with you. And Lord, we look at our world today and we see that there's so much chaos, there's so much stress, there's so much anxiety that's happening. It's more than just a virus. But Father, we trust that even though so many things are going on in the world today, you have a personal desire to take care of each one of us. And Father, we want to be with you. We want our lives to be right with you. And we cast all our anxiety upon you. Father, take our burdens, take it from us, reshape it in the way that will glorify you and lead us through it victoriously. Father, help us not to being control of our lives and wanting to take charge, but help us to surrender and realize that you've got the answers for our life to give us a peace that passes all understanding. Our greatest security, God, is in you. It needs to be. And we thank you, God, for directing us through your scriptures by your Holy Spirit. Glorify your name through our lives and help us to walk victoriously in you. And it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Guys, thanks for praying together. Come back next week. Excitingly, our churches from the Big Island, Maui, Lanai, and Oahu are all gonna be worshiping together. Invite all your friends and family, especially those who live here in Hawaii. It's gonna be a fantastic time. If you're new, again, please do me a favor and fill out that connection card. We want to be able to partner with you on your journey. Thank you for worshiping together this morning on Jesus Christ. Have a fantastic God-filled day. God bless.